Welcome, everybody, to the Knicks Wall podcast. Uh, it is a very, very big day for us over here. I am Anthony Corbo. Joining me, as I always do, we've got Brian Giberman. What's up, everyone? And my dude, Kyle Maggio. What's going on, everyone? And i really, really uh, stoked to finally be able to uh, to announce this, but we have a uh, we found ourselves a home. We are uh, we are now a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Uh, feels really good to be here. Really, uh, really exciting to you know start talking to the guys. Kevin Jones over there, his whole team have been really, really great with uh, you know getting us accommodated early. We have some pretty uh, pretty slick new artwork that they helped us design, as well as our uh, you know our resident graphics expert and just overall amazing dude Ryan Gray who is also responsible behind uh, the off-season simulator that all of you have been enjoying uh, on Twitter the last couple of days. And uh, big shout-out to him for killing it the last few days. But, uh, yeah, we're here. We're on Blue Wire. It's the you know, same show. We're going to you know, have a couple of new things going on. But overall, it's, it's, it's me, it's Kyle, it's Brian. Uh, and we're just excited to you know keep on bringing you the same, same good stuff we've always been. So uh, it feels good to be home, dudes. Yeah, they're stuck with us. They are. They are for for a little bit at least. I, I'm real excited about it. You know, I think it's going to go well. Um, you know, thanks for having us, to everybody who's part of the Blue Wire. Listen for the first time, and um, just happy to be here. And uh, another thing that I'm excited about, guys, is uh, the Celtics got fucking blasted, huh? <laughs> I'm hoping you were going to go there. Yes. I mean, I mean. Uh, w- Brian, can you count for me the amount of games that this series went? Was it? It was five, I believe, right? I thought it was over it after six. one game. I was told it was over after one I, game. I, who who said that? By the way, I'm just curious. It couldn't be. Think, it couldn't. It, it was Paul Paul Pierce? Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce. Right, right. So he said it was over after game one. Right. Uh, they got blasted in back to back games. I, I think he. He thought it was going to go Celtics in six is a thing that I heard him say. And uh, in fact, they went bucks in five and five guys is actually a gentleman's sweep. You know, it, it's like a respectful sweep. So five the Bucks had the decency. No, there was so, nothing respectful about that. sweep. There was nothing. <laughs> res- just a bloodbath, just an absolute bloodbath. And uh, I, for one, and I cannot stress this point enough. Uh, you, you really... You really hate to see that. You just, boy, oh, you, you hate, hate to, to see that. You, you, you just hate really to hate it. to. It's a tough scene. It's a tough scene. Uh, I was told that that Brad Einstein, the inventor of basketball, uh, was somebody that you should start a franchise with over Giannis. Uh, that was a thing that was that was happening online, if I'm not mistaken, uh, from these tweets that I have up in front of me. That I'm wait, who? Uh, Brad Nays- Naismith. Oh. Oh, you're talking about Mayor Pete. Yeah, Mayor Pete. Uh, yeah. The, the one and only Brad Stevens, the inventor of mm. basketball himself, the genius. Uh, in his own words today, I did, I, I did a bad job is what he said. Uh, so as you can tell, I'm eating this up. 
coaching for his job. Uh, coaching for his job. You hate to see that. So, uh, so, so Kyrie, uh, we, we can do all the Kyrie speculation. Uh, if you want to do that, uh, you know, as Anthony said earlier, at the top of the podcast, check out the Nick Wall offseason app. You can convince Kyrie to sign uh, Kevin Durant, anybody else. Uh, it, it's a fantastic app. If you've even been on Twitter the last couple of days, uh, you've seen it not just on our own timelines, but uh, various others, uh, not just Knicks people, but across you know, different NBA people. So g- give it a shot. It- it's on the Knicks wall homepage. You go to the Knicks It's there. It's on our Twitter. I'm tweeting about it constantly, especially after this uh, Celtics meltdown. So uh, have Wait, a blast with you, it. Can I tell you what happened with me the first time I used it? Uh, so I've, I uh, have refused to run a, any sort of simulation this whole season. I've, I've not done tankathon. I've, I've done nothing because I was living in fear that, uh, you know, if, if I were to do it, then it, whatever my results were from it, we would no longer get the number one overall pick. Um, I, I lived in fear of that. I lived in belief of that. And then this uh, this offseason simulator just, just cracked me. So I had at it. I loaded it up. And then my uh, something went wrong with my internet. But I drafted uh, Zion first. And then it crashed. And then I drafted Ja. And then it crashed. Then I got the number five pick. And I got Cam Reddish. And I got, you know, I did the thing. I got the Durant. I got the, uh, I don't think I got Kyrie. I got Kemba. Uh, you know, walked away with Reddish and I got myself a cool 54 win season. And that is something that I'm all for. Can we take a second to appreciate that three people who root for the Knicks were just crushing a team because they lost in the second round of the playoffs? I mean, we don't have to. <laughs> we're not going to acknowledge that we were doing that? Okay. Uh, no, we're going to keep on talking about this this uh, outstanding piece of uh, HTML that we got here. Did Brian, have you run any simulations using our off-season app? Oh, yeah. I've used that thing way too many times. <laughs> um, well, I, I, I mean, Kyle's been... I mean, if he's done anything else besides run that app, I, I'm not entirely sure. No, that's literally it. Um, but, uh, you know, what's the, uh, so what's, what's the move here? Like what, what seems to be the, the pick you guys are getting in all of your, your several practices you guys have run at this point? Like, is it five just keeps on coming up and up or are you getting some interesting? I, I, I almost exclusively get four and Jarrett Culver. That's almost exactly how all, all of my simulations start out. I get Jarrett Culver. And uh, we hit, I either get, I've either gotten Zion, Jared Culver, or Cam. Like, that's it, but it's almost 75% of the time I've gotten Jared Culver. The, the funny thing talking about all of this is that this entire time, I have not, I, and I'm still not, even like when I'm using this stuff, like I was like Anthony, I've never ran tankathon.com once. I don't do it. But I, I just don't, I refuse to even acknowledge the possibility that Zion is going to be on the Knicks. It's a 14% chance. That's just not high enough for me to care or pretend. Like, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to watch the lottery. I'm going to hope it happens. And if it doesn't, I'm just going to go along with my day because I never expected it to happen. Yeah, the the Zion thing I've been trying not to get my hopes up for because literally it's a coin flip that you get the fifth pick or four other picks. Like, that's not enough to instill confidence. So 
when we do things like from the next wall account where we joke and, and have fun with things, like I have no problem ripping as many Kevin Durant things as I can. I have no problem ripping some Kyrie stuff, but the Zion stuff hasn't been like over the top per se, because I just, I'm not, you can't, you can't like this. It's totally out of your control. There's nothing you can do about it unless the NBA is going to rig it for you. So uh, Adam Silver, if you're listening, uh, please, bro, please. But aside from that, I mean, there's nothing else we could do. You know, you just, you we're literally just praying at that point, you know, it, it stinks, but the game is the game here. That's why I think of the last couple of pods. I just keep saying, if we can get a top three pick, I'm cool. I could talk myself into most of those picks. If it's four or five, it's going to get dark pretty fast. But if you can give me, for me anyway, my top three is, you know, Zion, obviously, John Morant or RJ Barrett. If I can get one of those three guys, I, I can, I'll do my little 180. I'll start talking myself into everybody. But those three guys, I'd be really encouraged. I'm going to talk myself into whatever, whoever they pick, no matter what. I like Culver, but it's like, I just, when you see like what the top three picks are, and again, that's not how drafts work. We always think that there's only one one or two real options for our guys, and then there's always a guy who goes like ninth who ends up being a star. So like I'm I don't want us to get locked in to where we always do that little order and the bunch, and it has to be one of those guys. And I, I'm contradicting what I just said, but it's just the way that the draft stuff works. We kind of get conditioned into doing the mock drafts and making our own personal rankings and things that we hear and see. And so just remember guys, like bad things could happen to the Knicks and like, it might be okay. Even if it's just totally by accident, like guys who are in the back end of that lottery or the middle of the lottery, sometimes end up really panning out nicely. So it is what it is. Hopefully they do the due diligence. Hopefully they pick a guy that they're confident in and it works out, but the draft is such a crapshoot. Yeah. It's like there's no there's really not such a thing as like a bad move here necessarily or we're not going to know it on draft night. It's pretty much what you're both saying here. Like even in the worst case scenario, the Knicks have the fifth pick. They're going to have like they're going to draft a player who has the the potential of becoming, you know, you know, becoming a star here. It's, you know, a worst case scenario in the grand scheme of things is not all that bad. It's just that that best case scenario is so damn daunting, you know. I just I'm going to do the draft like I did last year. I'm not going to get myself invested in anyone specific. I'm just going to enjoy the process, watch it play out, not get mad at anything and root for whoever they take. That made it it made it made everything so much easier last year not being like I want this guy, I'm going to be pissed if they take this guy. So I'm just going to try and avoid doing that again and just sitting back and summer league will come around and I'll get to watch the player more and I'll start to build an opinion, getting to see them more uh, in-depthly rather than judging it off of four or five games live. Yeah, I mean, there's just, there are some definite uh, scenarios out there. We, we're only ever hearing about the dream scenario. Like, that's the only thing that any of us are talking about is really what we've been guilty about talking a lot about and not really considering too many other options and, you know, the more that we talk to other people around the league and we have uh, we have Robert Flom and we have Kellen Olsen coming on later talking about some Clippers and some uh, Suns respectively. But like, you know, it seems like there are so many other options out there that just we are 
not necessarily considering because we got such an eyes eye on the prize mentality here. But uh, you know, we do have before we get too far into, we did have some suggestions uh, coming from the audience. We put we put up a little poll here, um, and we were taking a look at. We put up a couple of different scenarios, handpicked uh, by Kyle Maggio himself. Um, Kyle, do you want to quickly run through? the players and the, and the records in this, uh, you know, in the, the screen caps that you put up before. Yeah. So you'll, you'll probably notice, uh, in the screen caps that none of those were the dream scenario that we all hope for. There was no, uh, Katie and Kyrie. There was no Katie and another superstar. Uh, the point was guys, if, if I did that, you and myself included would have all picked that option. So what I try to do is give you four like more balanced situations where you you get a good thing, but it's not exactly what you wanted. And I think that's kind of what we got to hedge ourselves to think a little bit. So that's kind of the thought exercise with the poll is, so I gave you four different options here and I'll start with the first one. The option a was uh, you draft John Moran. I think most of us would be pretty happy, even if you're a little lower on Ja Morant. I think if the Knicks get the second or third pick, end up with Ja, it's a good it's a good turnout for as much as we know about the college players right now, right? So, okay, that's a good start. Um, but as it always seems to happen with the Knicks, we can't really rely on free agents, right? So we still gave you somebody here, but it wasn't exactly the guy you wanted. So it was Jimmy Butler. But you signed guys like Bogdanovich, J.J. Redick, give him a couple of shooters. Uh, we bring Shump back. And the simulated record, again, guys, this is a rough ballpark. This is not a sniper accurate, uh, you know, prediction for what your team's record is going to be. But the team record here was 47 and 35. So you get John Morant, Jimmy, couple of shooters, 47 and 35. It's not bad. I mean, it's not what you want. It's not what we've dreamt of, you know, dreamed about, but it's winning basketball, which that's what we all want at the end of the day. So that's option A. Option B is assuming the Knicks fell to fifth tier, they get Garland and uh, who's that nice offensive stalwart of a point guard, but you do get Kevin Durant, but you also signed Vucevic. And I don't think that that would ever happen, but you never know. But here they signed Vucevic and KD to go along with Garland. They brought back Shump. That team's 49 and 33. I personally would have taken it because as I've said many times in this podcast, if I can get Kevin Durant, it is almost impossible to disappoint me. It is. It's going to be very difficult. If they uh, signed Vucevic and they had Mitch, I would probably be upset. To be honest, I, think I would be Brian enraged, be and that would ruin that would ruin signing Kevin Durant for me. Yeah. So this, the, I would be more inclined to agree. Like if you get a Vucevic and you have Mitch, like it doesn't really, it doesn't really make sense. So I don't think that that would happen. But again, you never know. But. Either way, like for me, I would still probably go with whatever gets you Durant. Now, the the one that I thought was going to contest the most with this one was you get Kyrie, you don't get KD, you don't get any other notable big uh, superstar free agents, but you get Zion. So I was a little bit torn here because getting Zion and Kyrie is pretty, pretty good. You know, Kyrie's still pretty young. Uh, and during his prime anyway, and and Zion is Zion. And if he's as good as we think he's going to be, he's most likely going to be a star coming into the league. So 
that's a pretty good option. And this one, you also get Nerlens Noel, probably to back up uh, Mitchell Robinson. You get Tyreek Evans, some wing defending help, which Lord knows the Knicks need it with Trevor Ariza. And uh, the record there was 47-35. and 35. And the last option was, uh, I wouldn't call it the doomsday scenario, and I think the record's being a little dramatic here. But um, they get nobody in the dream scenario. They get Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, and you fall to five and get Cam Reddish. Um, I'm aware that as those words just came out of my mouth, most of I can hear the audible groan from all the listeners because uh, nobody wants to think about that. Nobody wants to think about what if they get two free agents that aren't Kyrie or Kemba or Kevin Durant. What if they don't get his eye on a John Morant and RJ Barrett? But, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. So the record for this one was 38 and 44. I'll take the over. For that one? Yeah. Like, yeah, like I think that's yeah. a decent like Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris are damn good. They're, they're damn good. The problem is after what we've been through, no 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 none, none of the next fans are gonna want damn good. That's the problem. They want like just just better. You know, they just want impossibly good or close. You know, they think that they deserve it. I would be inclined to agree again, but you and you no, agree that fine. I mean you agree that the seventeen win team uh deserves to uh have it deserves to have something better than what was that record 57 was it i just think at some point uh, 47 no i'm sorry that's the wrong one no the well the jimmy the jimmy tobias one the simulator 30, oh yeah it's 30, 38 it's like like i don't I, but I, that's that's even such a market like that's that's 21 games up to be honest the record should probably be, the the wins and losses on that one probably could be flipped and i would be inclined to believe it like that's probably yeah. a slightly above 500 team assuming mitch is gonna secure the paint there you have all the same kids from last year i'd assume it's like a 500 ish team maybe a little bit better 41 to 45 wins is where i would put a team with i think it's underestimating how good jimmy butler is yeah me too but um i'm trying to just pull the the poll I, results up here so i would take i would take the Kyrie zion team i think that's probably the move i went with durant just because um i just think that that's probably a more aside from the vucevic thing i just think like that's probably the most realistic thing i don't think that the draft goes well and i think if we're gonna get a guy he's probably the guy but i don't really think anybody else is coming maybe they trade for somebody else but but you to me like that's how i was looking at it i liked how you brought the one scenario in that would make me go nope i'm not taking kd well, I mean, that's that's what it comes down to is everybody wants to think like this is a layup and it's not like you don't know who the second guy would be. You don't know that they're going to get a good draft pick either. Like you got you got to like really hedge it a little bit with, OK, you, you get KD, you get the crown jewel, but you also got to take a sack of shit along with it. And how does that make you feel? Yeah, but you could have done like KD and Julius Randle and I would have ran away with that one. Like I've been like, yup. The, the whole point of at least using the Vucevic one was because. Obviously, if we gave you Kevin Durant and Kyrie, you're going to choose that option. So I have to give you the crown jewel of the summer along with a couple of sacks of shit that you're not really going to want. And so you're going to see how you react to it. So um, that was the intention to try to not make it obvious. The the Vucevic one in particular, I mean, there were just so many um, Kevin Durant related ones that we got sent. And most of them had Kyrie. A lot of them had Kemba. A lot of them had Zion. 
So it was really hard to sift through any of the ones that just had Durant because I feel like a lot of people probably resimmed it a lot of times until they got uh, the situation that they wanted, which is fair. I mean, that's the point of the app. But um, that was one of the another one that I had found. It was just like Kevin and I think it was Kevin Cam Reddish and just like Danny Green and a bunch of just miscellaneous. Really, it was like Tyreek Evans, Nerlens the well too. Just a really, and I just, it was too many role players. I didn't want to go with that one. So I thought this one was a little bit cleaner and the record was solid enough to give you pause. Well, we have, um, you know, we, the results are in. We got plenty of people who have voted on this draft so far. Um, and it's looking like the, uh, the one that, that most of us seem to prefer is, uh, it's, it's Zion Williamson, it, it, regardless of who else is around him. It's, it's Zion Williamson. It's it's signing Kyrie Irving, and then you get this smorgasbord of uh, uh, of Nerlens Noel in there, and you get uh, who we got here: Tyreek Evans. You got Trevor Ariza. Is that Trevor Ariza? It it is. Uh, I don't like the Ariza. It does Evans not look part. like Trevor Ariza, but okay. It's yeah. I don't like the Ariza Evans part of it. Ariza looked washed this year. Maybe he on a team that's better. He'll try harder. And Evans, maybe maybe he has a bounce back year because, because he was one of the worst regular rotation players in the NBA this season. So those two guys worry me. But I do. I think Noel's a perfect backup for Mitch, basically just playing the same exact role he did with OKC this year. And then you build the team around Kyrie and Zion and you pray Knox takes a step forward and uh, Mitch is as good as we think he is. I think if Mitch is just for that particular one, I think if Mitch is just who we think he is, you know, and kind of has that, remember how Capella pretty quickly like figured things out. It was, I think it was like his second or third year. Like he just took a, like a pretty significant stride. If It, it was when if they, Mitch, they, he basically, oh. he replaced Dwight and it, there was no drop off. Yeah. It was almost immediate. He just kind of, he kind of realized, and I kind of feel like that's what Mitch was giving us a little bit at the end of the season, except on a Dollar Tree version of it with a really shitty team. So I feel like if he's just anything close to what we think he is, and he does any any kind of improvement, takes any kind of stride next year, um, you know, pairing him with his with Zion, who's kind of a menace and blocks a shit ton of shots for his position, and I just feel like those two would be enough to really anchor your defense at least your interior defense and then furthermore you know you have Kyrie and, and Zion's going to be able to score you get those guys any shooters and like you said if, if Kevin Knox can just be a passable player next year I even with Dotson on that team I would assume he's still there you know I mean I I like it I think that's a pretty balanced team you're going to have some good defense you're going to have finally you know the the superstar point guard we've needed for a long time it would be a fun team. I like a, a Kyrie, Dotson, Knox, Zion, Mitchell starting lineup is a starting lineup of a good basketball team. Uh, yeah. With I think I, I do think Knox isn't going to be the negative. He, I, I, I'm taking a positive view with Knox. I don't think he is going to be the negative he was this past season next year. It's It's hard to be, I mean, as bad as he was in stretches this year. So I, I tend to agree with you there. Um, it, you know, 46% of, of voters, and there's still time to vote on this. There's still going to be time when this podcast comes out for people to vote on this, but 
Uh, option C uh, in our in our poll that we ran here, forty six percent. That team we just talked about coming in second there with twenty seven percent of the vote was the uh, we had uh, that was the Kevin Durant Vucevic uh, scenario, bringing back Shump, all that good stuff. Uh, on the the uh, John Morant Jimmy Butler one was uh, was number was twenty four percent. That was interesting to me. You know, it was kind of close between those two. And then three percent of the votes wanted to go with the uh, you know the Jimmy Tobias pairing. Shumper keeps on popping up in these. Uh, a lot of people want to just bring back former Knicks. Yeah, we got a, a bevy of the um, the Carmelo returns to bring him home. Yeah, I mean he was like something like uh, his cap hold was like four million on there. Like I feel yeah, like we would have gotten a lot more if it was just easier to fit him in with the you know the max guys that they were trying to get. Um, I I think that the majority, at least of our you know people who we interact with on a, on you know a regular basis, I'm pretty sure the majority of us are would welcome Mello in in some capacity or another. I feel like Brian doesn't agree with that, but would you like to hear uh, one we literally just got sent a few minutes ago? Uh, yeah, and then we will uh, head to our interview with Robert Flom after that, the interview that definitely did not get the first five minutes cut off of it, and then we had to re-record it at all. But go ahead. Uh, so someone, uh, we just talked about middling scenarios, basically, and making you guys pick. So we just got a God scenario sent to us where it's Zion was drafted, you landed Kevin Durant, and then as the second star, you landed Kawhi Leonard. I, that was a sixty-five and seventeen record. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very much for that. I mean, it's a god scenario. It's a, there's not much more that you could really ask for. I mean, can you those two on the wing together with you know? I mean, you're overloading up boards and everything, but at that point, you just don't really doesn't you don't really care. matter. <laughs> you yeah, find, you find <laughs> slap it in. And Knox, you can trade. You trade. There's trades that are gonna come from that point forward if you get those I mean, two. Kevin, that's the dream 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 scenario like that's yeah. above that's above Kyrie and and uh KD but I just don't think it's realistic so I don't really uh, I, I, I Kevin think... Durant the like second uh seven foot uh shooting guards and Jared Jeffries <laughs> oh, that's a name I haven't heard of <laughs> let's keep it that way please yeah all right no 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 more Gary Jeffries oh my god only dreams of Kevin Durant moving forward playing the two at seven feet tall uh we're gonna go ahead and talk to Robert Flum now we got Kellen Olsen coming up later in the pod um yeah let's make it happen Um, <laughs> unbelievable, man! Unbelievable. We're back. I like that, I like that you just uh, leaned. I was right like, "Why it? in the world were you cutting him off?" I was like, "I know." I was like, what, could, what could possibly be so important? <laughs> so just... we are back. We are we are back on the Next Wall podcast after uh, going about five or six minutes here with our guest Robert Flum of Cliffs Nation and Blazers Edge and the B Ball Index. Uh, before realizing that our podcast just simply was not recording. <laughs> so we are, uh, we're taking it again. He's uh, a great sport about it. And thanks for coming on the show, Robert. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on. Um, so 
we're going to uh, go ahead and rehash some of what we were just talking about a second ago. But uh, I, I think the most interesting piece of uh, of conversation we just had was uh, Kyle was asking about Jimmy Butler's fit as the lone superstar in uh, you know on the Clippers if, if you know if they're they kind of strike out on maybe the Kawhi Leonard or some of the other uh, you know targets they have there. I guess can you just tell us how highly on your list you know jimmy butler is rated and you know if you just think that he is i guess the missing piece around the clippers uh i wouldn't have him rated very highly i definitely think of him more as a secondary guy especially kind of this late into his career i think if he was available three to four years ago and you could have signed him to a four to five year deal as a lone guy i think that would have been understandable and a smart move but now I I think he's almost 30. He's played a ton of miles, played a ton of miles. He's played a ton of minutes, lots of miles on those knees and ankles and, and what have you. I don't know that his game is going to age particularly well. It's built kind of a lot on bullying, got, bullying players and having kind of a quickness edge on both ends of the court. Uh, he's not really a great shooter. He's not a non-shooter either. So I just don't know how he's going to age. I'm worried about injuries. I am worried about his attitude. I think with the system that the Clippers have built and the amount of pedigree they have in the organization with Jerry West and Doc Rivers and even Steve Ballmer, I'm not that worried about it. But I just don't know if he's going to be good enough for more than a year or two to have as the lone superstar uh, for the Clippers. You know, I think if they do land a Kawhi or, or a KD, he'd be a perfect secondary star. We've seen a lot of that in Philly. Uh, in the playoffs or he can just do a lot of the little things except at a really high level. And when he needs to, he can get buckets, but I just don't know if he's good enough to carry the rest of this roster uh, for more than like a year or two, especially as the other Clippers veterans age, like Lou Williams and Pat Beverly. Like obviously part of the great situation with the Clippers is as those guys age, you hope that Landry Shamit and Shea Gilgis-Alexander and to a lesser extent Jerome Robinson and Ibika Zubats kind of step up their game and become star players, but you can't count on it. And if the Clippers really want to go in this summer, I don't think they can come out of it with Jimmy Butler as their lone superstar max. If anything, um, if it was a decision between adding him as a lone guy and just moving on with lesser players, but at smaller, uh, less expensive deals, I'd think I'd probably go for the latter and just kind of run it back, um, but use those nice contracts as filler pieces in a trade. Like I think Bradley Beal is probably around the same level as Jimmy Butler is as a player, but is like four years younger, um, has been really healthy the past few years. Um, I'd probably rather have him on a deal than Butler going for the next four or five years. Um, you know, obviously Anthony Davis is out there somewhere, but the assets required to mm. get him is, is kind of daunting. So well, that's what I kind of want to ask you too, like about just where the, the Clippers assets lie compared to, I don't know, we can use the Knicks as an example with, you know, Trier or, and, you know, say Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox, you know, they're picking the draft potentially, but uh, you know, that draft pick aside, I would probably look at the Clippers core as being, you know, their assets, their players that they can make available in a trade as being more valuable as anything that the Knicks probably have to offer at the moment. Maybe Mitchell Robinson aside, but I mean, with, you know, with Shea Gilgis-Alexander and, and you know, you have Montrez Harrell playing a great season out there. You have a bunch of, you know, Landry Shamit. You have all these mm-hmm. younger dudes. 
contributing in big ways to your team. And that to me, I feels like it would, you know, your dollar would stretch further going for them rather than the Knicks unproven talent. I mean, I think absolutely uh, just the Clippers assets compared to the Knicks, the Clippers are better. And really, like you said, it depends on the pick. I mean, if the Knicks get one and Zion Williams and the entire conversation changes just because he's like a generational level talent, uh, even two or three, I think I'd probably still pay, take a Clippers offer. Mitchell Robinson is definitely a blue chip tier asset. He was great this season, um, far better than I thought. And, you know, his defense could be really, really special. So he's very valuable, but just I just don't value that much also in the Knicks, to be honest. Um, I was very low on Kevin Knox going into the draft. I didn't think he was particularly good in college, was awful in his rookie season. Um, plenty of players have had bad rookie seasons and gone on to have nice NBA careers. Um, but I can't think of many stars who are that bad their rookie seasons. Um, you know, Alonzo Trier was was a nice surprise. I think he's good, uh, but he's already 23. I don't necessarily see a ton of upside there. Uh, Frank Tilkina, again, I like him, but none of those guys really move much of a deal for me. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, I don't know if he ranks above Mitchell Robinson. Most people would probably have Robinson higher, but he was great in his rookie season. Um, flash real two-way ability as a point guard, can play off the ball, um, just tons of skills and just almost limitless upside, really. There's so many ways he can get better. Uh, he's not a guy who's really boxed in. Landry Shamit, already probably one of the you know 15 best shooters in the NBA, I'd say. Um, not many guys I'd be more confident in making an open shot than Shamit. Um, flash some real ability to hit off the dribble as well late in the season. So those guys alone are worth more than probably anything on the Knicks combined, I'd say. Um, even with Mitchell Robinson, I just don't think the rest of their players are worth that much. Um, I'm sure there's some general managers who are higher on Knox than I am, but uh, his rookie season was really bad. That's not even counting Jerome Robinson, who didn't do much himself, but also didn't do that much badly. So he's kind of still untapped, I'd say. Um, Montrezl, as you mentioned, is 25 years old on a really cheap contract for next year, was legitimately, you know, a top 75 player this year. Uh, flash signs of being able to shoot threes. He really picked up his playmaking. Yeah, I mean, I think barring the Knicks getting Zion, I think I take the Clippers package. Uh, but it really depends. David Griffin could love John Morant or um, RJ Barrett, or he could still just think Kevin Knox could be special. Um, but I personally, you know, obviously there's some bias in there, but I think the Clippers assets are, are a fair amount better. Is there, is there a cutoff point of someone you wouldn't include in an Anthony Davis trade or you as Harrell, uh, Shy, Shamit, even Lou Williams, if they like, is that all on the table? You could have all four of those guys if they want, if they wanted for AD. Uh, it's tough. Um, you know, Player fans, even media people, get attached to young guys very quickly. I know Clippers fans would be very upset uh, if Shea and or Shamit were to be traded. I think, again, a lot really depends on who else they land. I do not trust Rich Paul, like, at all. <laughs> um, I don't think Anthony Davis is a sure bet to resign anywhere he's traded, except maybe the Lakers. So I think giving up a ton of assets for him is really risky, um, but again, it, it really depends on who else, like if they're able to get a Kawhi or Kevin Durant and then make an Anthony Davis trade, I'd feel much better about it. Knowing you have another superstar locked up for four or five years, like I'd feel much better about Davis resigning. Whereas if you're just making the trade for AD, 
it might just be, you know, a year or two rental. So I think everybody is on the table, but I do not think I'd trade both Shea and Shamit for Anthony Davis unless he gave some kind of confirmation that he'd resign or they had another superstar in the back alongside him. So are in the Los Angeles area, fans, bloggers, beat writers, is it pretty much just assumed it's a done deal with Kawhi or is there some wiggle room there? I think there's probably been more optimism about Kawhi through national channels than there is through local. I think we've gotten a sense for a long time now that the Clippers were the top choice through, you know, Wojnarowski and, and Shams and all those people. Locally, again, a lot of Clippers fans are very pessimistic. They won't think Kawhi Leonard is going to be a Clipper until Kawhi Leonard is wearing a Clippers jersey. I don't really blame them. That's kind of how I feel. But I think they are in a pretty good situation for him. Really, we've heard nothing about any other team but the Clippers and the Raptors. So really, again, I think a lot of it comes down to how well the the Raptors do in the playoffs. I mean, they're up 3-2 against the Sixers. They have the momentum in that series. Uh, if they lose to the Sixers, I think Kawhi is probably gone. Even if they make the conference finals and lose, you know, kind of badly to the Bucks, which I think is in play because I think the Bucks are monstrously good. Um, I think Kawhi might still leave. But generally, I think there is a sense that Kawhi is going to the Clippers. I know the Clippers themselves are incredibly optimistic about him. Um, you know, whether that just says more about how confident they are as a front office in general or because they really do know that he's coming, uh, it's hard to say, but I know that they are extremely confident. Um, they, they really think Kawhi is coming. Is there a, like, so I, I proposed that Jimmy Butler mm-hmm. scenario before, but is there like a worst star next to him that you guys would accept? Like if he was like, let's say the best star that you got this summer, is there another guy that's a little bit lesser than him? Like, where's the cutoff for you guys to get like a duo that isn't quite Kawhi, but you would be like, oh, you know what? I can fuck with this. I like this. I say Kawhi and probably, I mean, Kawhi. I'd say Jimmy and probably like Kemba maybe. Um, even though the Clippers already have a ton of guards, I just think Kemba's probably... I love Shay. Yeah, Shai. I mean, Shay's great. I mean, part of the reason why he's good, though, is because of his size and his ability to play a little off the ball. Um, so I think he could work alongside Kemba. Really, the problem with Kemba is that he and Lou Williams are very similar players. I don't really think you could get away with playing both of them defensively. Um, I mean, you could always flip Lou, uh, but that just means that, you know, Kemba over Lou is obviously an upgrade, but it's not a massive one. Uh, which might sound crazy, but Lou Williams is really, really good. Uh, and, and I'd say Kemba, maybe. I think Chris Middleton is overrated. Um, the Clippers already have basically said they don't want to pay Tobias Harris max money. And after that, you start getting down the, you know, towards the lower end of like, you know, into like tier C guys. You know, if Kyrie was available, him and Jimmy would be great on the court. I just, don't know about that personality clash and just what that locker room would be like. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't really know. Like, I think, I don't think Chris Middleton is worth a max. Um, a Jimmy Chris Middleton, you know, wing combination would be really, really good, but I think that would be overpaid and probably look, look pretty bad in a couple years. So honestly, I can't really see it. I think again, um, you know, if you're talking trades too, I think, um, 
you know, if you get Jimmy and then trade for Bradley Beal, I think Beal's ability as a scorer um, and his, you know, being a bit bigger than a guy like Kemba on defense would make him probably slightly more ideal, but I don't necessarily think he's like a tier A guy either. So in a very long answer to the question, I don't really think so. Um, You know, all that could change completely if they are able to get Jimmy Butler for like a shorter deal. Um, I don't know why he'd take it, but if they did, that would change the dynamics considerably. I just don't want him at five years and even, even four is probably too long. Well, on the other side of that, like what's the dream scenario? Like who you who you walking out with, and and you're happy. Oh, the, the dream scenario was Kawhi and KD, and then a championship next year. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> you get, if you get Kawhi and KD, we're not going to talk ever again. Uh, I'm just going to let you you just enjoy it in your in your California paradise, and I'm just going to go find the highest tallest building that I can jump off of and do that. Because if you if you get both those guys. My nah, that would be a very scary team. Um, I mean, I think barring injury or any other kind of weird super team forming, I mean, I think Kawhi and KD joining the nucleus the Clippers already have would win a championship, probably a couple. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, like I said, I'm probably 50-50 on Kawhi. I am not very optimistic on Durant coming to the Clippers. Um, really, I mean, all we've heard for months basically is the Knicks. I mean, the Nets are trying to get thrown in there, but to be quite honest, I know this will probably be music to your ears. I think that's a lot of the Nets themselves just kind of talking it up. Um, mm-hmm. I I agree with you, especially who like is putting out the news at first. I was like, that's there's no way that's a national. Yeah, I mean, from the Nets. I think like I think I forget who said it a couple days ago. I think it might have been Woj or Windhorst about Kawhi taking meetings with like the Nets and Sixers. Like I think Durant might take a meeting with the Nets, but I mean, all we've heard for most of the season is Knicks. And when there's smoke, there's fire. Um, he's been mentioned to the Clippers a couple times. I really don't think they're going to get him. I mean, a lot of Clippers fans hopes based on him being, you know, talking up Shea and Shamit a couple times throughout the season, but. I really, I mean, I don't think a lot of these players care that much about basketball fit anymore. Um, if they did, I think the Clippers, you know, even by a side would be absolutely phenomenal for any superstar. Um, but, you know, if if AD and Kyrie want to play together in, you know, the biggest market in the NBA with a team that has not won anything significant for like a long time, you know, there's no better way for them to build a legacy than going to the Knicks and making the Knicks really good and fun. Um, so I, I don't think that's very realistic. I do think Kawhi is a possibility again. I'm not super optimistic, but uh, I'm I'm very skeptical on on Kevin Durant coming to the Clippers. But it's good news for you guys. That is great news for us. So I, I'm I'm totally uh, all for that, and I, I kind of agree with you. Where I'm real skeptical, especially with everything going on right now, and it might be a little prisoner of the moment, but. I am feeling more and more skeptical that Kawhi leaves the uh, leaves the Raptors. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, as I've said literally all year, I think um, I'm happy that he's considering the Clippers, and I love all the rumors. I just I don't really get why he'd leave Toronto. Um, Pascal Siakam is better than anybody on the Clippers right now. Uh, as much as I love Shane Shamit, they have a long way to go to get to as good as he is. He's still young. He's only in his third season. He's still going to get better. Uh, they're a great fit together. They have a great organization too. It's not like he's on the Lakers and they stink and their organization is a tire fire. Um, you know, Masai Ujiri is really good. I do have 
you know, some skepticism about Nick Nurse as a coach, but their organization is really good. And I think if he re-ups there, I think Ujiri will be able to kind of reach to retool the roster around Kawhi and Siakam. Basketball-wise, like, I think the Clippers are up there, but I don't really see why he'd leave. I also love Toronto as a city. Um, I think it's it's really cool. And I'm, yeah, I think... It's a beautiful place. It's fun <laughs> in the summertime. Uh, I mean, I lived in Michigan for five years, so the winter isn't as like it's <laughs> it's cold I don't, I don't know i'm i'm not a huge proponent of just like you know winter will scare people away i i think you know winter is very dealable like you get a nice jacket you know these guys can afford you know five thousand dollar winter coats or whatever like they're fine um didn't uh didn't Kawhi like uh something happened like he tried to get uh like shuttled down the street at like all-star game at new york that one time <laughs> Like in 2015, it was or very like possible. That. I mean, I, there are probably Clippers fans out there who are tracking that kind of stuff. Like every indication, he he hates the cold <laughs> and doesn't like the snow, and just wants to live like near a beach for the rest of his life. Um, but the other thing to me is like I think it's kind of overrated in the sense that during the NBA season, these guys don't have that much downtime. Like they're always traveling. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if they sign with the Lakers or Clippers, like they're going to be on the East Coast for a lot of the year, just playing throughout the season a lot of it is just about the off season. These guys all go to LA in the off season anyway. So I, you know, that's the Lakers bank on is it's LA and, you know, their models and there's lots of media opportunities and all that kind of stuff. I just don't think that's as big a deal anymore when these guys can live anywhere in the off season. And, you know, it's nice to have a home in LA during the season as well, but I just don't know how much of an advantage that is. So I think that's, again, good news for, for the Knicks. I, I just don't think weather is, like, as big of an issue as it might have been 20 or 30 years ago. And uh, probably bad news for the Clippers uh, regarding Kawhi because, you know, the Raptors look really good. And, again, I just – I don't really see why he'd leave. But, you know, again, that's the pessimist in me. I do feel like you guys are going to get somebody, though. I just feel like between, A, being California, which, sure, maybe – uh, it may mean a little bit less. Like you said, you could live anywhere now and media opportunities are kind of everywhere. But I just think the Clippers have done a really good job turning around. I kind of like the brand that they've built and the identity that they've built. I think Bomber has been great for you guys in general. So I, I just feel like between that, the the young guys on the team, the money you have, I just feel like somebody's going to come. I, I, I'm i not even a Clippers fan, but just from the outside, it just feels like I don't know who, maybe it's not like the exact guy that you want, but I feel like it, it is an attractive destination. And I feel like you guys are going to get yeah, at least I mean, I'd say so out. too. I think even if it's a guy, the Clippers fans aren't super excited about like uh, Jimmy Butler, or even maybe clay with the rumors out the past couple of days, I think they will get some kind of superstar free agent. And, you know, I wouldn't be that excited about just one of those guys on their own, but I think this Clippers front office is one of the best in the NBA. I trust them. And I think that, you know, they will be able to reshape the roster over the next couple of years. Once they have even a Jimmy Butler, I think it will make it easier to get another player to come there. Um, so I, I'm confident they do get somebody. And really, I'm just confident they have a good summer regardless. I'm, I'm excited to see what they do. But their front office is great. They've made possibly the best series of moves in the NBA over the past year of any team I can think of uh, just the way they rebuilt the team at the deadline to be better this year and also get a lot more young assets was incredible. Um, I think it's kind of underrated almost how good their trade deadline was. I mean, people 
talk about stealing Zubats from the Lakers, but in some ways that wasn't even the most remarkable of those deals. Um, you know, the Bradley for Jermichael Green and Garrett Temple deal probably won't have much of an impact beyond this year, but without that trade, I don't know if they go to the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I just trust them. I think they'll come out of the summer looking good no matter what. They've been very careful about pervert, preserving cap space and not signing anybody to bad deals, and I think that'll continue. So I'm I'm excited, and I'm, I'm actually pretty optimistic. All right, so last thing before we get you out of here, not uh, Clippers related, but I just want to know, as, as somebody who covers the Blazers and, you know, I'd, I'd imagine was had a very close eye on that, you know, see on that series ending, uh, you know, uh, three pointer from Damian Lillard. Just what was that? What was it like just witnessing that? And like, what, what was the initial reaction after that from your point? It was of pretty crazy. I love that guy. I, it, it was just, God, I wish we had. <laughs> he, he's just so tra- like, Oh my God, man. He's just I, so since J.R. Smith. Like, I feel like we haven't had something like that, but, but anyway, the, Tell me, tell me your experience. Yeah, um, you know, I'm not really a Blazers fan at all. I, I just kind of write about them, but I mean, it was still, it was still crazy. I was watching the game, and it was a banana shot. Um, you know, I was high on the Blazers playing against the Thunder, uh, mostly because I think the Thunder are always overrated. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, it was, um, you know, I think it was just one <laughs> of the sickest shots I've ever seen. Um, just the confidence, uh, the, the sheer skill to pull up from 37 feet and launch like that. Um, Paul George is right in his face. Incredible shot. I mean, I wish I was at Moda Center because um, that would have been absolutely crazy. But I think I was I was at the, the most crazy game of the entire playoffs anyway because I was at Oracle uh, for the Clippers 31-point oh. comeback, uh, which was, yeah, you know, which was pretty one. crazy. Um, but watching Lillard's shot, it was just I was on Twitter for a couple hours, probably just looking at fan reactions and seeing all the memes and everything. Just one of those moments you'll, I'll probably never forget really. I'm not never, but won't forget for a while. I'm sure like 50 years from now, I'll probably forget it. Um, but it was just an incredible shot. I think Damian Lillard is probably underrated. I mean, I'd say he's better than Kyrie Irving. I think he's been better than Kyrie Irving for several years now. Um, just, he never really had that signature moment since his shot against Houston, which was a while ago now. And I think that that shot really helped solidify him as well. It was one of the great guards of this generation. And I think he, he deserves all of it and his leadership. It's super cliched, but his leadership, his presence in the locker room, you know, on and off the court, he's just been amazing for the Blazers and yeah, just kind of a legendary, legendary guy in Portland. All right. So Robert Flom. UK, you are the managing editor at Clips Nation. You are a stats writer for Blazers Edge. You're a Bucks writer over at the B-Ball Index. Um, really appreciate you uh, shedding some insight on the Clippers with us. I am, have been pretty uh, paranoid about what they may, how they may affect the Knicks this summer, but it, it seems like we may both be able to get what we want and not necessarily get in each other's way. Oh yeah, I'd be I'd be very happy with Kawhi coming to the Clippers. Honestly, my ideal might just be Kawhi to the Clippers and them running everything back. And honestly, I'd love to see Kevin Durant play in Madison Square Garden. So I'd be I'd be perfectly happy with that scenario. I think we got some bright days ahead of us. Thanks for coming on, dude. Yep, thanks for having me.
And we are back with our second guest of the day. Uh, Kellen Olsen, is, you cover the Suns for Empire of the Suns. You, uh, you do editorial work. You're a writer. You're a reporter. It looks like a whole bunch of things over at uh, Arizona Sports. Uh, what's going on, man? How are you? What's up? I'm good. Yeah, I'm kind of being sarcastic in my bio. I just do a lot of stuff for us, and I didn't expect it to play into the intro, but um, I'm doing yeah. good, man. Um, you have a little bit of history, and uh, as I would put it, a beef with one Brian Giberman here. I think everyone that works with Gibby at a certain point has beef with him. You guys probably have beef with him. The listeners probably have beef with him. It's just a thing with Gibby. He's come to accept it over his life. Isn't that right, Brian? I am responsible for the sun <laughs> subset that you work on. Be nice to me. That's the first time you've been referred to as Gibby on the pod. I like that. That's what everyone around here calls him, but he's not around here anymore. So it's sad. Kellen Kellen and I used to host a podcast along with Kevin Zimmerman at ArizonaSports.com. It actually still goes to this day, doesn't it? Sure does, buddy. We miss you. They got rid of of the weak link. I'm allowed to make fun of myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we acquired him, so... All good over here. Um, we're, we're we are here to talk to Kellen about the Suns' free agency and what their summer is looking like. Uh, another potentially dangerous team against the Knicks. We just uh, we were just talking to Robert Flom about the Clippers potentially having uh, you know some impact on how our summer is going to look. But kind of the other way around. I'm more worried about the Suns through the draft. Uh, it seems to me like I don't know why but it's either Phoenix or Dallas in my mind that's going to end up, you know, stopping the Knicks from getting Zion. And I bet that's kind of just a dream scenario for you. Oh, interesting. Uh, Yeah. I I totally do not believe that they are going to get Zion or, or number two or number three. (laughs) It's pretty much doom over here and gloom all the time. But uh, yeah, I have already in fact ordered my Zion Knicks jersey, so I'm just gonna jinx that even more on a Knicks podcast itself. I'm just very excited for you guys. I already texted Gibby congratulations like three months ago. It's just it's just a great time for you guys. That seems to be what's going on around. The, that's like how everyone's kind of viewing us around the league, and none of us have that sense of optimism here. Like I, I'm pretty sure you know all of us here are just about convinced that the Knicks are getting the fifth pick in the draft this year. Like we're getting the fifth pick, and we probably, will, you know, we'll probably end up drafting somebody who has the ceiling of about Kevin Knox right now. So it's, yeah, I feel like, I I feel know, like every every fan base is just looking at him, being like, "Oh, great, can't wait for Cam Reddish or DeAndre Hunter." I don't think anyone is like expecting to get Jar Zion. And then I look and I see you know people tweeting in at us and everything, and it's, it's Kyrie and Kevin Durant and Zion in a mixed jersey. So you you have this, you definitely have the half of the fan base that is pretty damn sure that you know this dream scenario is going to happen and then the rest of us jaded fans who just know that i mean there's no way it can't possibly happen as good as it it seems and i kind of wonder what that scenario looks like for the suns right now like i guess going into the summer how much uh like what's your what's your cap situation looking like what would be your dream scenario to come out of the summer with so the three main things for them, the first one is re-signing Kelly Oubre. Uh, it depends on how much money he's going to get, of course. If some crazy team out of nowhere gives him 19 or $20 million and strikes out on another free agents, I don't know if that sounds like a team that's familiar to you guys at all that would potentially do that to him. But 
I think that he's the guy that they have to bring back, first of all, which is how many positives he brought. But obviously the number one thing is getting a point guard. They went through all of last season without a point guard, unless you count Juwan Evans or Isaiah Kanan or Tyler Johnson. And I, I certainly do not. So that's kind of just really the only things left for them are just to add the point guard and bring back Oubre. And I think that would be a pretty successful offseason it, it sounds like it's pretty easy and, and it should be easy but with how much they've screwed up the past couple of years I think Brian can attest to the difficulties they've had the past couple of years just doing really basic basketball front office things <laughs> that I, I, we're just more looking at them not to screw things up it's it's more about that and money the money hire was a good start at least all right so to get that point you got the point guard and power forward situation that are a little bit up in the air What's basically happened is the wing situation has kind of gotten uh, complicated because you got you got Booker who's locked in. I think Bridges, I would assume, is locked in unless Jones doesn't like him or Bauer don't like him. Uh, you have Warren and Josh Jackson. Uh, how I, Jackson and Warren are the two guys that stick out to me. How do you think they handle that situation? Yeah, I, th- I think one of them is gone and probably both. Uh, it just kind of seems like this is going to be the launching point for their ascension from the rebuild and kind of get all of the guys and, and just like the personnel. They've really like cleaned out their staff and obviously firing Igor and everything. It just feels like they're cleansing everything out. And Jackson and Warren are the two guys stylistically that don't fit in the most with what they're trying to do. Ubre does, Bridges does, and that's two guys. Uh, Ubre, you're going to be paying a lot of money, so... You got to give him his minutes, of course. And then Bridges has earned the right for 30, 35 minutes a game with the way he played as a rookie. So there's just not much to go around, really. And I think that's the biggest problem with Warren and Jackson is that Warren kind of profiles as a guy who can play some small ball four. Jackson can play some two. But both of them have been questionable at, at the three that it's hard to buy into their flexibility. So if I'm a team like the Knicks, for example, that's looking for a wing or just looking to pick up talent. I think those two names do uh, stick out for me for sure. All right. So Jackson, same draft class as Frank, same draft class as Dennis Smith Jr. I'll say the Knicks were interested in Jackson. Would either of those names you think pique the Suns' interest? Maybe last year, but uh, I think that they're focused on what they have to add at the position, which is just a, a, a sound veteran, a sound average to above average point guard. I think that's what they tried to get with Tyler Johnson, but they, they have to get something more. And maybe there's a situation in which they trade Tyler Johnson, get that point guard, and then they have a point guard to come up uh, off the bench. But that's kind of already D'Anthony Melton and Elliot Kobo. They already have two of those guys, and Smith or Nilakina would be the third. Uh, Brian knows how much of a fan of Nilakina I am. I still hold some stock in him. I was really high on him coming out of that draft. But it, it, I don't think it's just it's just not the right time for the Suns to get one of these guys. I thought it might have been last year or certainly two years ago. Uh, but I, I think it's just kind of passed, unfortunately, for the point guard fit that's kind of obvious and the Knicks uh, maybe getting rid of one or depending on if they get jaw or not, I think could be more, we assume. It strikes me as interesting because the natural landing spot in the place I've always assumed that the Knicks were going to be moving Frank to this summer, it seemed to be Phoenix. I mean, it just seems like, I, I, I don't know. It feels like I might be a little behind on Phoenix's rebuild that maybe they are in actuality, or maybe I'm not alone. Maybe it's the rest of the league that kind of feels like it too, but I guess what kind of 
like what is the next step for this team like they obviously finished with you know nearly as low of a record as next to this season although that, that obviously didn't get beat by anybody um but like what what would you have to see this team do to take the next step forward what, what would that look like to you yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. It's kind of one of the biggest, not, not misconceptions, but just if you're looking on at this team and the not following it day to day from the outside, I think you're going to come up with that sort of position, right? Where you look at Frank or you look at DSJ and you're like, yeah, they, they would be great for them. It would be a low risk type of high upside type of point guard who could wind up being their long term guy and it makes sense for them. Uh, but the team hit a, and the franchise really with the playoff drive and everything has hit a certain point where they just really need to add the right veterans around DeAndre and Dem Booker and really start turning this thing around. And more so it's been about Booker. Um, Brian's been around enough to kind of realize that Booker has been more upset in the past year and just not, there haven't been rumblings of him being upset or wanting out, but you just see what's happening across the league and the trends the past couple of years. It seems like it's, it's heading in a certain direction where if the lack of just sound basketball decisions and firing a GM or a head coach three straight years like they have, if that sort of stuff continues, Booker's going to want out eventually, even if he's only two or three years of that max deal he signed. And that's, of course, when everything kind of falls off the rails. And there, there's a there's a certain sense of urgency surrounding the team. I wouldn't say it's pressure from Sarver or anything, but it just seems like they have the young talent already. They have the two young point guards I mentioned who shouldn't really factor into their like big picture, of course, but they've got it and they've got Booker, they've got Bridges, they've got whatever Jackson turns into. And of course, they're going to have a top seven pick in this year's draft. So they, they have all their first round picks coming up. It's just they have all these pieces already. Now it's time for them to sort of uh, get on the move. And, and more importantly, they have those pieces that are that are good. Like Booker's, Booker's a great young piece. Aiden's a great young piece. Bridges is a pretty solid one. Uh, they don't really need to be scouring right now for for the likes of those two guys. No, at, at this point, the Suns are. It's more about next year. Like it's not get a top five pick. It's that they're fine getting. I think they're in a place where, all right, let's take that next step. If it's thirty five wins, and then from a year from now, then we're getting to forties and in the playoffs. But like they're at that, it should be ascending. It should no longer be staying flat all the way at the bottom. Like how how. If they say they bombed again next year, and I don't think they will, do you think we start hearing noise about Booker wanting out, even though it will only be the after year one of his big deal? Yeah, for sure. I think we will, and I, and I think the most – what they've kind of interestingly done with Amani hire is they've set a precedent for him having control of the locker room right away, which is what he should have, right, because he's one of the most well-respected guys around the league, and – I know you, Gibby, have thoughts like I do negatively about the way that he's coached in the past, but the bottom line is if a guy like that loses control of the locker right away and they start 5-26 and 26 or whatever, and, and they're certainly capable of that with the roster that they have right now, we'll see the offseason and what they do. But I don't see how that doesn't lead to Booker being upset to use a double negative. I just can't envision it to where he would look around in, in year five for him playing it. I, arguably, I think like he's been, um, he's certainly been at an all-star level in my opinion the past year or so. And I think he's like approaching an all NBA level. I know a lot of people think that he's empty stats on a really bad team, but watching him every game, I think that he's ready to get to that level. And if he can't even win 25 games at that level, it's going to want, it's going to force him to take it into his own hands which would be leaving this dumpster fire of a situation which is still what it is despite the strong um hiring of money and the sense of there's some sense of hope around the team uh, since that move 
Yeah, I hope you guys get John Morant to keep it a buck. Um, I know a lot of Knicks fans are high on him and want him, and I would enjoy him dearly. But to your point about Booker needing to get to that level, I just feel like things are just going to really open up with a dynamic point guard like that. Like, that's kind of what he needs. Obviously, you mentioned that earlier that they tried to get guys like that. But I think like a John Morant type, like a guy who's going to really be diming and dishing and, and really just throwing passes that you don't see regular point guards throw. And he's also able to shoot the rock, obviously. I just think that's like the ideal situation. Like Zion would be great, obviously. Zion is, projects to be a generational guy. We all want him. But like, I think like Ja would do the most for Booker in the short term, or at least open it up his offense anyway. And I'd like to at least see that if you guys can't get Zion, you know? What I'm yeah, saying? for sure. I I'm lower on Ja than most. Um, I have like I have hot takes about him and don't think he's without a doubt the second best prospect in this class, but. I think if, if he comes yeah. in the league and establishes himself as a passer right away, he's like such a tremendous, he has like such tremendous like vision and ability to pass the ball that I think that he would be so great for Booker. And, and the funny thing about Booker is in, in year three for him, it was just about him playing around capable basketball players. It didn't even matter that they fit. It was like Tyson Chandler and Marquise Chris and Tyler Ulysses he's starting with right now. And he's putting up these numbers. It's pretty ridiculous. And then, Last year, it was actually he was playing with quality players, but they were all so young. And now I think it's it's about finding those players with experience, which is where, again, I go to counter the job point and say they need a veteran at point guard. And they, he, I don't know if he would be unwilling to wait on jaw and him going through the typical rookie second-year point guard stuff that most of those guys do. But I, I, that's the only place where I question it because I, I totally agree with what you're saying, though, and that just having someone else to take the pressure off of him and set him up would be huge Tyler Johnson was doing that at the end of last year and if you can think of like what Tyler Johnson was able to do to take some give him some relief you can imagine what Jaw would do if uh, he was able to reach what we think he can as a prospect uh, you're also Kellen you're also a draft Nick so we'll let's steal your expertise let's use your expertise on that while you're here also uh let's start with this from the Suns perspective so you said Jaw isn't necessarily the second prospect on your board how would you tier that for the Suns after Zion, and then give me your opinion on the Knicks after Zion. Who do you like as a fit for that? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that the Suns would undoubtedly take Jaw too. Um, So I don't think what what I think matters too much into that, but I actually, right now, the difference between two and four for me is there's pretty much nothing, and it's really hard for me to say. I actually have RJ2 right now and Jericho or three just because of what Barrett showed in the tournament specifically as a ball handler and sort of a point guard. I think there's some untapped stuff there if he can stop trying to be a really shitty version of DeMar DeRozan for 10 seconds and figure it out. Uh, but I have doubts about that, and everyone has doubts about that, which is why some people just hate him in this draft. I really like Culver's skill set. I think he's just good at a lot of things, and it's pretty it's pretty basic with that. He he has great size. He's a pretty solid passer. He can score a lot off the dribble in terms of the being able to. Now the problem with him is, of course, consistency. And if he can be a primary secondary dude, I don't really know. And that's why I would not I would not clearly put him number two right now. And then I kind of talked about Jaw for a bit. And those guys in Phoenix, I think RJ is a secondary ball handler to Booker. I think. That's where the fit is. And for Culver, it's just another good basketball player to put in between Booker and Aiden and next to Bridges. I don't really know where they fit on the roster. Uh, I don't really have any thoughts in terms of who fits on the – who are we exactly fitting around the Knicks, right? Are we thinking, like, who plays next to Kevin Knox? I'm not trying to be an asshole here, I swear. But, like, who, who are we 
looking at in terms of who fits? Is it just like Fizdale's system, Gibby? No, more, I guess, with the guys that they have, there really isn't a fit thing with them. It's just going best available. I can't forget about your boy Mitchell, too. You have so much Mitchell stock. Did, did, do your podcast co-hosts have any Mitchell stock left? Did oh, you take it all? From no, no, we certainly have plenty of Mitchell stock. Yeah, it's <laughs> literally <laughs> the light in the darkness right now. His eight, his, I, I saw... I, I covered the Knicks game, and I, I saw Gibberman walking w- around with his Robinson jersey, the rookie year jersey, and I'm like, oh, man, this guy's, that's when you know this guy's just infatuated. He's got an issue. <laughs> Brian was all the way back in, like, January, because, but right, or right about January, early February, because I still had issues with Mitch because, you know, as, as a center, you need to be able to rebound the ball and also um, not foul enough to stay in the game and he wasn't doing those things consistently yet but brian was like immediately all in and i was like hey maybe let's see him rebound more than four times a game and maybe stay in the game for more than 15 minutes and and then i'll be right there with you and then i think almost right after i said that on the podcast he started doing (laughs) exactly that for the rest of the season so um so it was pretty easy to just i had one stipulation and then he met it Almost immediately. So what am I going to do? I bought all the yeah. rest of the oh, for sure. He's yeah. a workhorse too. It's just, he's just such a, such a thrill to see on the court. And, you know, we, we spoke to his, uh, his agent a couple of weeks ago on the pod. And then, I mean, you couldn't find, it, it seems like he's the hardest working guy on the team. Like, it just seems like he is constantly imp- trying to improve his game. He's trying to bring along the three point shot. Like, you know, I don't know what is going, you know, what his like, path really projects to be he's just like a dude who seems like he's going to make his own destiny and not really have too big of a mold to follow but yeah i there are i mean i am so high on mitchell robinson there's very few like very few players in the league very few picks in the league that i would move him for yeah for sure i i can you guys can probably relate to this if you guys get katie and Kyrie or whatever i'm actually going to be more excited to see like what mitchell robinson does in year two than like the combination of that that just kind of speaks to how i look at basketball and i'm kind of a weirdo because i'm just like oh man mitchell robinson are up good players let's see if gibby's right you know what i mean how do you guys had a center that wasn't too bad his rookie year what do you think of how how would you view what aiden did uh, so context for everyone, Gibberman will laugh in the background while I tell this story. Um, I was pretty much the only person here locally that thought they should take Luca over Aiden. And I was on that horn from the summer before and it kept going and going. And I kind of became known as the Aiden hater by default because of that. But I have to say that he really improved over the course of the season. And the biggest doubt that I had about him wasn't his defense. It was just, can he be dominant enough offensively to make up for defense if his defense sucks? But his, his post moves and just the creativity that he's showing on the block is actually something that I didn't see coming so soon for him. And he already has post moves and counters to other post moves that we saw him gradually get into. And it's going to be fascinating to see if Monty looks to get him the ball more because I'm not really sure if he's ready for that yet, because in in like the first 10 games of the season, when he was still U of a Deandre, whenever he would dribble a ball, it was a disaster. And we just moved on from that to where he could actually dribble a bit and set up for himself. So I think he improved greatly, and defensively, he was he was pretty great as well in terms of what you want out of a rookie center. So I actually feel pretty high, highly about him. I don't know in terms of like expected ceilings or whatever, because I think it's still too early with how much is possible for him. But uh, it's it's really exciting that they have like a legitimate uh, number two to 
to Booker right now, which is really all I wanted him to be and want him to be going forward. I can't believe that. Uh, no, I just can't believe that Luca over Aiton was a hot take. Yeah, I thought that, that was. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Like, like, like it, it's, I, I really it's like Aiton. Almost frustrating. Like I don't understand. Like I don't get how it's a hot take. Like we, we could disagree. Like I'm higher on John Morant than you are, and you're higher than, on RJ than I am, right? But that's like a minor disagreement. It's not. It's not a hot take. I can't believe it would be like like people were really against Luca. Like that's got to be maddening. Like it makes like I wasn't. I was really high at Luca. I had him. I think first, like most people did. Most sane people did last year. Made a lot of sense. Made all the sense. You know. I just don't know. Uh, I don't know. That's that's that's. Yeah, be kind of test. If you heard the narratives long enough, you could kind of figure out how they crafted it up. But it was it, it was pretty bad. It was a lot of people who hadn't watched him, which I mean, of course not. Of course, they're not on Eurobasket.com or whatever. You know what I mean? Kellen, I'm not going to get you into trouble. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut right now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I've been, I said it with the, uh, the last uh, dude we had on talk about the Clippers. We were talking about with Robert. Um, I think that the future is also pretty rosy for the Suns. Like, I, I, I am gonna stay optimistic about it. And you described it as a garbage fire before. It seems like a garbage fire with the hole peeking in through the top that you can maybe climb your way out of. So, I feel good about them. I and. I, I I think you guys should feel good about your odds too. We we do, but we're just not getting weird. Oh man, Suns Twitter and just like Suns fans are going to be so unbearable if they're good because they're they're just waiting to be cocky, but they're all, all in their own self misery. We just want to win. Like, can we just win twenty seven games next season? Is that too much to ask for? Like, that's the kind of state of mind we're in. Can we just flirt with thirty wins possibly, and that's where we'll start to get some optimism? I think. Yeah, I get to that king tier <laughs> this year, that little sweet spot of slight overachievement, but you haven't arrived yet. Like if you yeah, just get in there, I think that's sure. enough. Yeah, All right, well, Kellen, uh, thanks a ton for coming on. Uh, make sure you're following him at Kellen Olson. Uh, follow at Empire of the Suns. Uh, what is the station number you're at? Ninety-eight point seven. Uh, if you're in the Arizona area, give him a listen. Uh, Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on again. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks again to uh, Blue Wire and the whole team over there for having us on the network. Looking forward to everything we have to come over here. Um, you know, check out the offseason simulator on the nickswall.com. Check out, you know, the nickswall for all of the content you need on Twitter. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to us on YouTube. Make sure that you are following all of us at Corbo Anthony, at Kyle Maggio, at Brian Giberman. Uh, we have some, uh, something special in store for uh, the rest of this week, but we'll be back and to talk to you all very soon. Thank you.